If you haven't found Exodus 18, I would encourage you to do that. Here in Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, after hearing about all that God had done for Moses and Israel and his people, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, his daughter, and their sons to meet Moses. And we pick up the narrative in verse 5 of Exodus 18, and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses and to the wilderness where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I thy father-in-law Jethro am come unto thee and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and they came into the tent and Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the travail that had come upon them by the way and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now, I'm going to really ask you to laser in right here as we get to verse 11, because this is where we're going. Jethro goes on to say, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. That's the verse, and the key word is, is proudly. So in the morning sessions, as you heard, Joe McCaig spent time with us out of the book of First Peter, and it's been very interesting because that's exactly where we're going to be going after we complete our series in Psalms. We're going to spend as much time as the Lord would have us to in First Peter going through that book verse by verse. And it's been amazing just to see how as the Lord has been leading me in that direction, I have been tripping over clues that that's where we need to go. Just in my own personal life, God has been showing me that I need to spend as much time with him in the book of First Peter, listening to everything that the Holy Spirit would like to show and teach me. And so I do believe that that is for us. And so it's been a neat process to just get to that place of clarity and peace about that's where we need to go. So in the time that Joe spent with us, he talked about, and I thought the title was very fitting, he talked about the strength of humility, which sounds like a contradiction. Well, no, no, no. Um, because again, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can become very Laodicean in how we think. And if we're not careful, we can look at traits like meekness and humility as weak. Listen very carefully. It's been very interesting over the years to observe men and women who are very doctrinally astute. They know the Bible extremely well. They are fine-tuned when it comes to doctrine. The problem is they are full of arrogance and pride. It's been amazing to see. 
And somehow they conclude that because they are a doctrinal genius of some kind, that they get to be rude and nasty and hateful to other people who are doctrinally inferior to them. So they get to name call. They, they get to be unchristlike. They get to abandon charity because they're right. And so they subtly look down on traits like humility, traits like meekness. Listen very carefully. Every believer in Jesus Christ needs to do the math on the traits of meekness and humility because with God, the way up is always down. You cannot and you will not walk with God properly. You cannot please God from a place of pride and arrogance. So there is great strength in humility. Why? Because that trait is consistent with the nature and person of Christ who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, Philippians chapter 2. And so we dare not look down on the trait of humility as somehow being weak. Oh my, God forbid. And so obviously the antonym of humility is pride. And that is what brings us to Exodus 18 where we are introduced now to the first mention of pride officially in the Bible in the word or in the form of the word proudly. And this is where you see it first, right here in Exodus 18 and verse 11. And what we're going to see here, and there are certainly more, we're just going to see two basic associations of pride. Two basic associations of pride that we're going to see right here in this verse of Exodus 18, 11. Listen, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much of a doctrinal giant you might be. With everything in me, I am warning you. <laughs> I am telling you, you would be at best a complete fool to be dismissive about what we're about to look at in these two things. You would be at best a fool, if not an idiot. <laughs> With everything in me, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit of God to show us what these two associations look like to God and to be very careful how we proceed before him. The first observation is this. Pride is associated with idolatry. That alone ought to get your attention. Pride is associated with idolatry. Look at verse 11 again. Jethro said, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Lowercase g. That was Jethro's response to the testimony that he had received from Moses about all that God had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. The Egyptians were polytheistic. That is, they worshipped and believed in many gods, and Israel had a front row seat of that for 430 years. Uh, this is why the Ten Commandments begin with Exodus 20, verse 3 in your notes. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God wanted to be crystal clear with his people that uh, what you saw in Egypt, that's not, you're not going to replicate that with me. 
I'm not going to be one of the gods that you worship. I'm going to be your God alone. Uh, God was as interested in getting Egypt out of his people as he was getting his people out of Egypt. God says, I'm going to be very careful. We're very clear here. You'll have no other gods before me. I am God alone. Pride is associated with idolatry because idolatry seeks to elevate someone or something above God. Uh, Idolatry is always looking to replace and ultimately erase God. Uh, This is why you want to be very careful because you might say, well, you know what, I'm... I mean, I'm not worshiping idols, and I'm not into any of that. Okay, you may not be. But be careful, because you can subtly become an idol unto yourself. Where your testimony before God is, listen, I don't care what your word says. I don't care what you have told me that pleases you. I don't care what you've put before me to think, say, and do. As a matter of fact... Um, you can take a hike. See, I sit on the throne of my life. I play God in my life. I think, say, and do whatever I think is best for me, and you're going to live with it. You've become an idol. And wherever I have seen that hard attitude, that bold pride, I tremble for the person. I tremble. Because I know what's coming. That is a position. I don't care what the culture has told you. I don't care what books you're reading, what they're whispering into your mind and into your heart about why that's okay. I am telling you, that is an affront to God. He is highly offended. He is tremendously insulted by it. It reeks in his nostrils. And be not mistaken, he will respond with force. He will respond with shock and awe. He will dethrone you. Satan is the father of false religion, and the goal of false religion has always been, is, and will always be to steal worship that belongs to God alone. The Antichrist will sit in the temple of God, showing himself he is God, Satan who will be working and powering the Antichrist is bloodthirsty for worship that is God's. Revelation 13, 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The unholy trinity of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are going to mandate a system of false worship that says, essentially, worship the image 
or be killed. Satan wants worship that is God's alone. Be not mistaken, he does. And listen, that is what pride is associated with. It is associated with that agenda. Pride is associated with stealing worship from God. This is why the Apostle Paul told us in Philippians chapter 2 that nothing is to be done through strife, or say it with me, vainglory. You know what vainglory is? Vainglory is worship that is spent or wasted on self. It is glory that belongs to God that is not given to him, but instead it is wasted on us. That is pride. That is idolatry. This is what pride is associated with. We were driving in this morning, and, and I didn't know this, but, and I still don't know all the particulars, but I learned that my children, Ken and Bree, are, they're doing something in the student ministry, they're leading worship or, or something like that. And I just opened the door to have a very healthy discussion. I said, hey, listen, I want to be very careful. I want to make sure we're on the same page. I think we are, but we can't be too careful when it comes to worship. Because in God's mind, the line is always very clear. Tragically, it's not always as clear with believers. But the line is clear. There is a fine line. There is a clear black and white difference between worshiping and, listen, performing. You're not performing. You're not standing before anybody and saying, hey, well, it's about time. Let me show you the goods. Let me show you what I got. There is some worship that is offered to God that is so putrid. that he finds the entire experience nauseating. Because God says, you're not worshiping me in spirit and in truth right now. This is the you show. And God says, I'll pass. I'll pass. That's what pride is associated with, guys. I almost said y'all. So I've got some good men in my ear, and I, that, they would say y'all, but that just doesn't fit me. I'm sorry. Here we go. You must understand. I must understand that pride gives place to the devil in my life. Pride is associated with idolatry and it gives place to the devil in your life. If you're walking in pride, as the late Adrian Rogers used to say, if you're walking high, wide, and handsome, what you've done is you have essentially put the welcome mat out 
into your heart to the devil. It's very interesting. John 13, where we read that Satan put in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Subtly, if we're not careful, we can look at Judas and say, oh, poor guy. Oh, man, look at what Satan did to him. Listen, Satan did not do anything to Judas that Judas did not welcome. Judas put the welcome mat out, and if you are tracking before you get to John 13, you see it. The welcome mat was out. I'm your man. I'm open and available for you to use. I don't have I don't I don't have a strong enough or eloquent enough vocabulary. I don't have words, I don't have phrases to capture how detestable God finds your pride in mine. It's detestable. Whatever it is that you think would disgust you in the highest, multiply it by a million, and that's exactly how God finds your pride. It is detestable. God says, I hate that. I despise it. God says that is advancing the agenda of the one that I had to dethrone and kick out of heaven, Lucifer. Oh boy, hear this, guys. Pride moves us to move against God which provokes God to then move against us. Pride moves us to move against God, which then provokes God to move against us. I tremble at the times in my life where God has had to move against me to remind me that he is God and I'm not. Those times have involved many tears, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain. I don't recommend it. You say, what's your proof for that? Well, I've given you some verses. These six things doth the Lord have a problem with. These six things are his pet peeves. These six things really bother him. No. These six things doth the Lord say it with me. Hate. Hates. Yea, seven are a problem, an issue, abomination unto him. What's the first one? Proud look. 
Proud look. What's a proud look? It is a look at self that is elevated and magnified. God says, I hate that. If you walk with a proud look, what you have done is you have invited God to a fight that you have no shot. No shot. You will lose very decisively. God, I don't care what your book says. I don't care what you've told me. I don't care what you're trying to tell me. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Now, what are you going to do? I tremble. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. (laughs) Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Uh, Psalm 101, verse 5, whoso privily slandered his neighbor, him will I cut off. Uh, Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. God says, I will not endure that. I will not allow that. I will not just wink at that. Let that go. If you are given to something that God hates, how can God not move against you or me? Brothers and sisters, please, Let humility be your best friend and pride your worst enemy. May you have a great sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that when he manifests that your attitude or your speech or your actions are prideful before God, may you be so sensitive that you repent in the moment. Okay, I, let me, listen, I, I, I am, for the grace of God, by the grace of God, for God's glory alone, I want to be open and transparent. I had to walk into Sam's office this morning, and I had to confess to him that I disobeyed God, and I disappointed God, and I let Sam down at the retreat. Uh, there, was a, there was a clear call. Thursday night, we had LFBI graduates. And there was a clear call for the LFBI faculty, which I'm a part of. And if you've taught a class, a full class LFBI, which by the grace of God, I've done to come on stage. I didn't do that. Why? Because that wasn't comfortable for me. I'm like, you know what, if I'm not preaching or teaching, I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to be on stage. I don't want to be seen or heard. So I'm not going to go up. It doesn't matter what what my personality is like or how comfortable. I I know people see me like this and think, man, aren't you just this gregarious? I'm not. I'm not a crowd person. If I'm in a crowd, I like to blend in, not be seen or heard. I'm totally good with that. That doesn't matter. 
What mattered was, I'm a part of the LFBI faculty, my pastor was on stage, and I was told to come up. Alan Shelby is one of my fathers in the Lord. I just should have obeyed that and did what was right before God. And I didn't do that. Listen, let's all be just sensitive. When the Holy Spirit shows us that, listen, the way you're thinking, speaking, or living is prideful. Clean it up. Get it right. Don't justify it. Don't make excuses. Don't blame anybody. Just say, okay, God, I just want to please you, so I'm going to do it. The second observation Pride is associated with haughtiness. Exodus 18.11 goes on to say, For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Now, this is very, very important. Again, there are words that we come across in Scripture, and we just kind of gloss over them and, and, and subtly conclude that we, that we get them. But I want to make sure you don't miss this. Listen. Haughtiness is produced by excessive pride. Haughtiness is produced by excessive pride. It's in the family of pride. (laughs) But it's not just in the family. It's running things. It's pride at the next level. The Egyptians were haughty in their dealings with God's people. They were haughty before God himself. We'll think, say, and do as we please. We'll worship as many gods as we desire and please. And you can like it, leave it. We could care less. We're going to do us. How'd that work out for them? (laughs) Not very well. Now, this is critical. This is critical. Listen to what Moses said to Pharaoh. Listen, Exodus 9.30. But as for thee and thy servants, listen, 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 listen. I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. I know this. You will not fear the Lord God. A haughty person, listen, haughty people do not fear God. A haughty person has no fear of God. None. Moses says, I know. You're not going to fear the Lord God. But I promise you, when they found themselves on dry ground in that sea. And when those waters start to enclose on them, I guarantee you then they did. (laughs) Oh, I promise you they did. Uh, Just like those who were mocking Noah for building the ark, I promise you, when, when, when it started to rain and, and the earth began to flood, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they started fearing God. 
This is what I'm saying. You, <laughs> my, my heart here is that when we're done with this wrap-up in terms of what we're looking at, is that you and I would be moved to get on our face and say, God forbid that I would wear a cloak of pride and haughtiness. I want nothing to do with this, God. A haughty do not fear God. They essentially do whatever they want without respect to God's presence or holiness. And suddenly, they don't believe that he is powerful enough to stop them. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and in haughty spirit before fall. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty and before honor is humility. Isaiah 10, 33, behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts shall lop the bow with terror and the high ones of stature shall be hewn down, and the haughty shall be humbled. Here's a sobering reality to the haughty. The haughty have an impending date with humility. The haughty have an impending date with humility. It's coming. It's coming. My mother used to say, and um, God forbid that I would implant anything improper in your mind, but I I believe that many of you can finish or you you can get um, where I'm going with this. But my mother used to say, um, uh, um, a, a hard head leads to a soft behind. I think some of you know the... Now, I gave you the Baptist version of that. I think you get where I'm going. She was right. <laughs> if, if you're walking this way, I'm telling you, what God is doing right now is He is giving you an exit ramp that you want to take. That you want to take. And what is the exit ramp? Joe McCaig said it wonderfully. If pride is the problem, the prescription is humility. That's the exit ramp. That's the spiritual pill that God is offering you this morning. Take it. Charles Spurgeon said it wonderfully. Every Christian has a choice between being humble or being humbled. The choice is squarely yours and mine. We need to humble ourselves, but if we choose not to, listen to me as I close. God will do it for us. God will do it for us. Lord, 
thank you for all that we have heard from you this week at All Church Retreat. God, thank you for what we've heard from Arnold and Linda. God, thank you for what we've heard from you this morning from Exodus 18, 11, and other passages. God, I thank you for what you have shown me. I thank you for what you are showing me about areas and episodes of pride in my life that are highly offensive to you. God, I just pray that you would help me to just maintain, help us all to maintain a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that whenever we are thinking, speaking, or walking in a prideful way, that God, we would correct that instantly for your glory. God, however you have spoken to everybody in this room and those viewing or listening, God, let us respond without delay. You are giving us an exit this morning that if we have an ounce of even common sense, we'd take it. And that exit is humility. May that be our best friend and may pride be our worst enemy. In Jesus' name, for your glory, amen.